Welcome to the Northside Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Josh Wiener, a lifelong Cubs fan for over 40 years. This is a show dedicated to having conversations about the Chicago Cubs and, yes, other teams and topics in Major League Baseball from time to time. This is a relaxed and casual atmosphere and community with like-minded fans. Thank you for tuning in, and now, let's talk about Northside Baseball. Welcome to the show, and thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about who my favorite Cubs players of all time are and break it down in a, in a top 10 list. And before we get started, I want to address uh, what seems to be the prevailing topic uh, almost every episode so far, and that is the ongoing MLB lockout. So I had planned to do this episode regardless. And then the next several episodes should have been during spring training. And I was going to kind of preview the 2022 season. I'm going to have a backup plan and have some other episodes in the queue and if we're still in the lockout and spring training isn't a thing or free agency isn't a thing heading into the 2022 season, if we're still delayed, if you know more games get canceled, if we lose the first month of the season, if the season ends up being shortened, you know, I'll have other episodes ready to go and we'll have to rearrange some things and talk about the 2022 preview whenever that comes around. So those episodes will be forthcoming. It's up to Major League Baseball to get their act together and give us a 2022 season. So there will still be content. It's, uh, you know, Cubs franchise is a long tenured history and there's a lot of content to make episodes out of. So there will still be episodes. Uh, stuff for the 2022 season may just be on a delay. And who knows, maybe the players union and the owners can come together and get an agreement done at some point soon. And when that happens, I'll preview the season ahead. But until then, this episode, again, a top 10 of just my personal favorite Cubs players of all time. So I'm going to start with a, some honorable mentions, people who I've always had a sort of affinity to, but not really enough to make a top 10. So I'll start with Brooks Kieschnick, who was with the Cubs from 1996 to 1997, a short career. I came across him when he played for the University of Texas, and what was interesting about Brooks Kieschnick was he was a starting pitcher and a designated hitter on days he wasn't pitching. He was kind of Shohei Otani before Shohei Otani, uh, and I thought that was interesting, and he had a lot of pop in his bat. He could hit the ball a mile. And he was good on the mound. So when the Cubs drafted him, I was expecting big things. But of course, they kept him to an outfielder. 
I, I don't believe he ever pitched for the Cubs. So unfortunately, his major league career did not replicate his college career, and he kind of fizzled out. Uh, another honorable mention along the same lines of a draft pick would be Albert Almora. He played for the Cubs from 2016 to 2020. And what struck me about Albert Almora is the draft that he was in was one of the first drafts covered by MLB Network at the time, and they televised like the whole thing. The draft used to be not televised, nothing anywhere near the NFL drafts that are on annually on ESPN and NFL Network. But this was one of the first drafts. I don't remember if it was the first draft or one of the first drafts that MLB Network covered, but it was one of the first ones that I paid attention to because the Cubs had a top five pick. And they had done some player stories prior to the draft getting underway. And one of the stories that caught my attention was Albert Almora. He would train with his father who would pitch to him. He, they showed his childhood and, you know, pitching into a swinging tire, that drill for accuracy. And they were talking about his work ethic and his dedication. I was like, man, that would be a great player for the Cubs to get a hold of. I hope, you know, now that I'm invested in him and now that I've heard his story, I hope, you know, the Cubs can, can draft him. And sure enough, when the Cubs pick came around, they drafted Albert Almora and I felt connected because I was like, wow, I heard his story. I liked the player. I liked everything about him and, and my team drafted him. So he was a, an important part of game seven of the World Series in 2016. He was great defensively in the field. Uh, just, you know, ended up being not with the team for very long, unfortunately. And my final honorable mention is Carl Tuffy Rhodes. And my affinity for him was his opening day performance in 1994, I think it was, uh, when he hit three home runs off Dwight Gooden. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't replicate that moving forward. And he kind of was always labeled as being the guy that hit three home runs off Dwight Gooden and pretty much nothing else. So unfortunately, uh, that was his claim to fame. Oh, and he played for the Cubs from 1993 to 1995. So also a short Cubs career. He did go over to Japan and kind of ruled it over there. He was their home run king for several seasons, I believe, but he never made it back to the United States. And if he did, you know, top of mind, I can't remember, but if he did, he was never the same. Okay, number 10, favorite Cubs player of all time, Sean Dunstan. Shortstop, drafted by the Cubs in 1982. I don't know what it was about him other than, I guess I could say his defense his rocket arm, his throws to first, where he would be occasionally wild and making Mark Grace stretch all over the place to try to, you know, keep his throws in line. Uh, he was kind of Javi Baez before Javi Baez, I guess, as far as defense. Then there was the whole thing with a Shanometer in the stands. Uh, it was created by Dave Chilla, Chilla, Chilla and wound up in the Smithsonian Museum eventually. It was this 
three panel cardboard sign that would keep track of Sean Dunstan's batting average. So it would say, you know, 258 and climbing or 301 and rising. And it would say go Cubs on it. It was, I don't know, it was unique. It was interesting. And I was at the time I was, you know, just starting to get into the statistics of everything. So I thought that was cool. Number nine, Derek Lee, first baseman. He was acquired by the Cubs via trade with the Florida Marlins in 2003. And what I remember about Derek Lee primarily, other than he was a power hitting first baseman with great defense, is that he was on the Florida Marlins team that beat the Cubs in the playoffs in 2003. And then we ended up trading for him. So instead of if you can't beat them, join them, it's if you can't beat them, acquire them. So I don't remember him having a particularly, you know, spectacular NLCS against the Cubs in 2003, but I know I was happier that he was on our team instead of beating our team. Number eight, Glenn Allen Hill, outfielder. He was acquired by the Cubs, uh, selected off of waivers from the Seattle Mariners roster in 1998. And the one thing I'll always remember Glenn Allen Hill for, and it's not being hit in the head as a base coach for the Rockies. Obviously, this is about his time as a Cubs player, but his mammoth home run that landed on one of the rooftops across the street. And the classic line from Chip Carey was, it's gotta be the shoes. And the reason being is because he was asking Dan Roan, who was doing color commentary filling in that day, they were talking something about Glenn Allen Hill's cleats. And I guess he had red shoes on one day and blue shoes on the next, you know, primary Cubs colors. And just before hitting the home run, he asks, do you like the red ones or the blue ones better? And then he hits the home run. You can hear the sound effect of the ball coming off the bat instantly that it was gone. And Dan Roan goes, I like that. And then Chip delivers the famous line. It's got to be the shoes. And I'll I'll link the YouTube video in the show notes for this episode because... I found it on YouTube and it's one of my still, it, you know, it's obviously poor video quality because this was before high definition television, but one of my favorite Cubs home runs in history, just for the sheer clout and the distance and that it actually landed on a rooftop across the street on a fly. Um, crazy power. Number seven, David Ross, our current field boss, current manager of the Chicago Cubs, but he signed as a free agent in December of 2014. He signed shortly after John Lester signed and they're historically friends and battery mates. And so it was interesting that they would sign David Ross, who at the time uh, he was coming off, I think a world series with Boston and, um, you know, the, he was a veteran backup catcher. He wasn't signed to be a starter. And I don't know, he just grew on me. I didn't know much about him prior 
things that I would learn about him later, such as his time with Jason Hayward in Atlanta and uh, things that Jason Hayward did for David Ross during his final season of his career in 2016, I thought was amazing. Uh, Jason Hayward paid for David Ross to bring his family on the road during his, during his final season. So I thought, you know, that was great. And then his, you know, storybook home run in game seven of the world series and just everything that he did for that team in 2016, and then becoming the manager of the Chicago Cubs ahead of the 2020 season, which as we all know, the 2020 season was the shortened season due to the pandemic, but he got to the playoffs in his first year last year, not so much. So it'll be interesting to see how David Ross handles a full season without the core, but really liked what he did. And during his time with the Chicago Cubs, number six, Jake Arrieta traded by the Baltimore Orioles, along with Pedro Strope and cash to the Cubs for Scott Feldman and Steve Clevenger, probably one of the biggest fleece deals that the Cubs have ever pulled off, acquired a fledgling arm at the time in Baltimore and less than two years later turned into a Cy Young Award winner and one of the most dominant pitchers of that time. You know, with Jake Arrieta, I remember his no-hitters, one against Cincinnati, one against Los Angeles, Dodgers. And I remember his scoreless inning streak, and I just remember everything about him with his time with the Cubs and his great performance in the 2016 postseason on the whole, holding it down in the World Series, even his home run in game three of the NLDS in the 2016 postseason. And I'll speak about that specifically in a future Cubs flashback episode. And then he left via free agency to the Philadelphia Phillies. And before the 2021 season started, I had said, you know, God, the Cubs could use someone to eat some innings and maybe get some wins. And I said they should probably try to bring back Jake Arrieta. And sure enough, February 2021, he signed back with the Cubs as a free agent. Unfortunately, just didn't really seem to have it anymore, even though he kept in great physical shape and, you know, his mechanics are pretty good. He just, I think, unfortunately hit that wall at a certain age and he just wasn't the same. But, you know, as an innings eater, he didn't really work out that way either because, you know, he could barely go four or five innings. But I will always remember his time in the 2015-2016 seasons. Number five, Javier Baez. Drafted by the Chicago Cubs in the first round with the ninth overall pick in the 2011 draft. Javi was the first of the core, or first of what would be the core. And I, I bought in right away because he was the first player shirt uh, that I bought uh, with Baez and nine on the back, uh, you know, a, a jersey as they call them, a shirt jersey. So Javi was the first one I got. So I was on board with Javi right away. His defense, his base running, his, 
his sliding and swim moves with his arms. Unbelievable power, but, you know, his penchant for striking out. So many great memories from Javi Baez, especially during the postseason. He was the co-MVP in the 2016 NLDS, I want to say. And I was, you know, of course, heartbroken when they traded him last year, especially to the Mets. But still one of my favorite players with the Cubs. Number four, Anthony Rizzo. Acquired by the Cubs January 2012 from the San Diego Padres, along with Zach Cates, a minor leaguer who didn't amount to anything. Sending to the Padres, Andrew Kashner, who became a journeyman pitcher, and Kyung Min Na, another minor leaguer who I don't think ever made the Padres major league roster. What can I say about Anthony Rizzo? Face of the franchise, captain, leader, great hitter, great defense, fantastic personality, and another crying shame that they let him go. Well, they traded him for minor league prospects. But when Anthony Rizzo was around in 2012, when the team lost 100 games, and then with the team in 2016, when they won the World Series, the guy offered to tell you his preference was to go down with the sinking ship in 2021 if it was all the same to him and you traded him away anyway. I, Regardless of the rumors, that to me, that's just a giant slap in the face and I would not blame him for not coming back here at any point. Number three, Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Fame second baseman, traded by the Philadelphia Phillies January 1982 along with Larry Boa to the Chicago Cubs for Ivan DeJesus, another lopsided trade. And um, Ryan Sandberg was Ryan Sandberg. He, he was actually the throw-in in this trade. It was Larry Boa basically for DeJesus, and the Phillies threw in Sandberg, and he became a Hall of Famer. Loved watching him play the game and um, all-around player. And could have been their manager at some pe- some point, a la David Ross, but they decided to go in another direction. And Sandberg became the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, ironically. Number two, Andre Dawson, signed as a free agent with the Cubs in 1987. Fresh off a stint with the Montreal Expos, and Andre was looking for a fresh start and the famous story of him bringing a blank check to the Cubs and saying, you know, put in whatever you think I'm worth. He was that willing to sign one of my favorite players, the Hawk great power hitting outfielder, a cannon for an arm that would throw many a base runners out. He was the MVP on a last place team, which doesn't really happen anymore. But because he hit, I think it was 47, 49 homers that year. MVP on a last place team. Unbelievable. And number one, my favorite Cubs player of all time, Chris Bryant. This is a guy who should still be with the team today. How they managed to not resign him and trade him away, I will never know. 
I understand the business aspect of it and trying to get prospects back, but this should have been your cornerstone along with Anthony Rizzo for his entire career. He was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays in 2010, but he did not sign with them, went back to college. And he was drafted by the Cubs in 2013 in the first round, second overall pick. And he would just, you know, he was a great college player. He won the Golden Spikes Award and the Dick Hauser Trophy, which are both generally awarded to the top collegiate player in the nation. He was also named a Louisville Slugger First Team All-American, the Collegiate Baseball Player of the Year, the American Baseball Coaches Association Player of the Year. He did it all in college. Obviously, that made him the number two pick. He was named the MVP of the Arizona Fall League in 2013 after hitting 364, 457, and 727 with six home runs in just 20 games. At the end of the 2014 regular season, Bryant's 43 combined home runs between AA and AAA won him the Joe Bauman Home Run Award. He was named the USA Today Minor League Player of the Year and Baseball America Minor League Player of the Year. Baseball America named him the number one prospect in 2015. And then, of course, he became the 2016 Most Valuable Player, 2016 World Series winner. This should have been a no-brainer to re-sign when his contract was up. But it is what it is. But the Chris Bryant, the player, wonderful personality, loved the guy. He became so versatile. He became like a super utility player. He could play almost every position aside from catcher and pitcher and just ran into a bit of the injury bug. And so that plagued him. So I guess that diminished his value in some eyes. I, I always thought that if we traded Chris Bryant, we should get a whole hell of a lot more back than what we did. So there's that. But I will continue to follow his career wherever he goes because he's he's just great. And that is my top 10, my favorite Cubs players of all time. Obviously, by the list, you can tell around the years that I was watching Cubs baseball. I obviously don't have, you know, legendary Hall of Famers like Billy Williams and Ernie Banks and Ferguson Jenkins because I wasn't around when they played. That's my list. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. That is the final score on this episode. Thank you for joining me for a little bit of your day. Head on over to northsidebaseball.com forward slash forum. That's F-O-R-U-M to join the discussion today. If you're not already a forum member, take a few minutes to register an account. If you enjoyed the podcast, do me a favor and take a couple of moments to like, rate, or provide a review wherever you consume your podcast content. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at NSBB Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you for the next one here on the Northside Baseball Podcast.